Hey, so glad you're in church. Uh, it is our prayer that you sense the presence of God. And uh, if you, I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm the lead pastor uh, here at the church. And uh, I just want to declare, uh, we've been saying this, but I want you to catch this. God's doing something new. God's something, doing something new. I don't want you to miss it. I don't, do you know there's people in the Bible that, that missed what God was doing? Do you know there's religious leaders in the Bible, that as Jesus walked the face of the earth, they missed what he was doing because they got so caught up in how he was doing it that they missed what he was doing. Then there were some desperate people that should have never got touched by Jesus, should have never had an encounter with Jesus, but they were desperate, and Jesus interrupted his own plans to make sure that they got what they needed. Man, that's awesome. Can I tell you this? Jesus will change his plans. That's a big statement. If there's desperation... I'm just going to tell you, as a church, we're not interested in just having a service, just go through the motions. If you've already haven't noticed, we're passionate, we're radical about Jesus, and uh, I've just made a decision if I'm going to be passionless or passionful, is that a word? I'm going to be full of passion. We're going to be quiet, we're going to be loud, we're going to be... Yeah, that's just, that's just the way we do it. You can, you, can, you can be quiet on your own, but when we come to the house of God and we're lifting up the name that is above every other name, I just think there should be a sound to that. When we come into a room where anything is possible, it, there should just be anticipation to what, what is God going to do? How is he going to move? I'm going to tell you this. God's going to do something really special today. And uh, we've been praying into today. And, and uh, man, I, just, I, can, I can feel it already. And uh, I want you to know you're not here by accident. Uh, you're here by divine appointment. God knew you'd be here. And uh, he's got something uh, for you today. I want you to go, if you have your Bibles, to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, it's been our text for our series. I just want to say this as you find that, and we'll have it up on the screen in a minute. Uh, God's doing incredible things through our church. We have all kinds of ministries, outreaches. Our Dream Center building is under construction right now. That's our hub of ministry in Oak Cliff. It's happening. It's been so incredible. Our first Oak Cliff tent meeting was, anybody, was anybody at our first Oak Cliff tent meeting? Whoa. Whoa, it was crazy. And uh, so if you missed it, you should come out. That, that is a party right there in the tents. And um, that will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Our Dream Center Gala is coming up this Friday. We're believing God uh, to help us finance this entire vision that God's put in our hearts. And uh, I want you to know this at our church. We believe in generosity. It's something we preach unashamedly. We teach unashamedly. Uh, there's something powerful about generosity, not for the church, but for you. That I, we really believe this, that God is our provider. As a church, God's our provider. For you, your job, your employer is not your provider. God's your provider. And so we believe in the tithe, which is how we glorify God in the area of our resource, is from the first of our income, we give 10% to the Lord. My wife and I, we've been doing it for our entire marriage. First check we get, we give it back to the Lord. And then on top of that, we give offerings. That's above and beyond the tithe. And uh, I know some of you came prepared to give, but I, I want to encourage you, maybe you haven't ever taken this step to tithe or to obey the Lord that way or given that way, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. There is something that happens when we give out of obedience, not out of obligation or compulsion, but we say, yeah, Lord, we're going to come in obedience with your word. We're going to give. We're going to trust you that you're going to watch out for us. And then an offering is actually a seed 
that is sown into what God is doing. I'm going to tell you, there's something that God's doing right now. It's important that you sow seeds in the good soil. And I'm just going to tell you, we're seeing every single week, we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing people get delivered from the youngest of young. We have our academy students worshiping here in God. We got our youth. We got our high schools, our junior highs. But we got campus outreaches going on. We're in Oak Cliff. We got all kinds of, I mean, it's, it's incredible, the ministry that's happened out of this church. And it's made possible by you uh, and your generosity. So if you came prepared to give, you can text to give. You can give online. There's giving stations at the back of each campuses. If you're old school like that, you want to throw some cash out or a check. And so anybody still write checks? A couple, <laughs> whoa, wow. There's like one person that's got like, don't worry, we, we, still, we still love you. Isaiah chapter 43, we're in a series called Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up. Isaiah 43 verse 18, it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Not yesterday, not in the future, right? Oh, you did good. You're better than the first service. First service, it took a little while, right? Now, do you not perceive it? I want you to know this, that the question is not if God is doing something. I think for many of us, even we come to church, it's like, is God going to do something? We approach life. Is God going to come through? Is he going to do something? The question is not if. The question really is can you perceive, can you see, can you hear the thing that God is already doing? Can we see? what This is what the scripture says. It says God's doing something new. He's doing a new thing. But can you, can you see it? Can you see it? I don't know if you've ever been a, a fan of a sports team that's in rebuilding mode. I'm from Seattle, and um, so my Seahawks are in, in rebuilding mode. You, you, you know, they say this, they got all kinds of talent coming, prospects coming, and so you have to have faith, right, that no matter what's happening right now, that in the future, we're going to be better, I think. It's difficult to believe that. I'm just going to tell you this. I want you to know this, spiritually, it's difficult to understand the thing that God is doing if you cannot see it with your natural eyes. But if you consistently look with your natural eyes to assess what God is doing, you will misrepresent or misidentify the thing that he's doing. Because God is doing something. God is doing something new. And God is doing something right, right now. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go to another passage of Scripture, Judges, the book of Judges. It's a story. If you grew up in Sunday school at all, it's a story about Samson and Delilah. Man, if you got boys in the room, you got sons, every, they're, they're going to be warned about two girls, uh, Delilah and Jezebel. You heard those ones? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're not going to talk about that. But Samson and Delilah, and uh, Delilah tricks Samson into giving away the secret of his strength. If you know this, the Bible teaches Samson was the strongest man on the earth. And if you looked at Samson, he didn't look like the... If you saw... If you, if you, back in the day in Sunday school, anybody ever remember the flannel graph? Right? Like you actually... Some of the young people are like, the flannel, what? Like, anyways, it was like an LED screen. That wasn't an LED screen, you, you, manual, manual LED screen. And Samson's always jacked. He's just massive, like 270 shredded, 2% body fat. He's like, this is Samson. Samson's probably like a slick 155, 
probably about 5'8". And, uh, but he was the strongest man on the earth, and I'll tell you why. The Bible says he was anointed with strength. The anointing is a Christianese word, right? It's a spiritual word that we use that, that, that we're like, oh, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. All it means is God's super on our natural. So you got Samson as a natural man that is anointed by God. Now he has supernatural strength. You're a creative person. When you're anointed by God, now you're creative supernaturally. If you are an entrepreneur naturally, think what you could do with the anointing. That now the super comes on your natural, and you can take things to the next level. When I talk about generosity, sometimes people say, well, I've done pretty good on my own. And I, th- I say, man, think what you could do with the anointing. Man, it's just, you, you, are short, you, are, you are limiting yourself to saying what you can do with your own ability. Think what you could do with the supernatural anointing of God on what you already do. Samson was anointed. And I want to read this passage of scripture just to get to the last phrase, which is really where we'll spend the rest of the time today. Judges 16, verse 18, it says, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. If you know the whole story, it's just, it's just not right. Delilah is tricking him. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, and after putting him to sleep on her lap, that was his first mistake, or maybe one of many. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. These are some of the saddest words in the entire Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And I've been praying the last couple of weeks about this thought, would we know if the Lord left us? Would we know if the presence of God was not where we are? I started thinking about like sometimes even coming to church and doing good things. Sometimes you can do good things and not even know that God's not there. I mean, we, we could sometimes even have church and God not even be here and some of us we wouldn't even know. Because we come and we do the stuff and we do the things and we sing the songs and we lift the hands and we clap and we shake and what well, do we do all our greeting and bless you brother and bless you sister and we leave but we haven't, we haven't understood that, that we haven't perceived that God's doing something. And I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the church of Jesus Christ is that we have been relegated to survival living. That since 2020, 2021, 2022, we have moved out of the place of faith and into a reactive state that talks about what God used to do, but we don't understand that God still wants to do something now. God wants to do something right now. So I just want to ask you the question, would you know? Are you close enough to Jesus that you would know if he was with you or not? Would you, are you close enough to him that you would know if the Spirit of God left you or not? I'm concerned about our churches that we have moved from speak to the possibility to manage the difficulty. We've moved from faith-filled vision to carefully measured survival. We've moved from prophetic edge to professional leverage. We've moved from by my spirit to by my schedule. I want you to know this, that God is waking up his church. 
to move out of survival living and to just step into the new thing that God is doing. If you're bored in your Christianity, it could be because you're living in yesterday's miracle and you're missing the now thing that God's doing right now. Right now, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, by my, by my spirit, by my spirit. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing anything big enough to demand God's spirit? You know, some Christians live their whole lives and they never do something big enough to demand God's spirit. What, 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 a, what, a, what a waste of the power and the presence of God to live in my own natural means by power and by might, but to never take a step of faith so far that it demands the Spirit of God. You know when life gets exciting? Life gets exciting when you've stepped out so far that you're like, if God doesn't come through, it's going to be bad. And we want to live safe, and we want to live with our margin, and we want to live within our power and within our might. But what our world needs right now is a church that is awake to the thing that God is doing. And no matter what they read, and no matter what the headlines are, no matter what the news says, we can say we are a people full of faith. Because while you were reading what was or what is, I'm reading what's about to happen. And I'm going to tell you this, this is what the word of the Lord does. The word of the Lord always announces what God is about to do. The word of the Lord always, and religion always lives in what God did. God is always living right now and what he is about to do. Nothing is more important than hearing what God is saying. Did you know that you can hear the voice of God? This, this, this is crazy. You can hear the voice of God. I'll tell you a story. I, I was just starting out in ministry. I had an encounter with God when I was 16 years old and um, started preaching sporadically short after that. When I was 18 or 19, I got invited to preach at a, at a youth camp. And I went, and um, when you're growing up in, in ministry and you're pastoring, I'm just going to tell you, the youth camp is like, it's like not the best place to go preach. Usually staying in some backwoods cabin somewhere, and uh, you preach like 47 times, eat one meal, sleep two hours. You know, it's just, it's bad. And so I'm there, 18, 19 years old, I'm there preaching. There's like 80 kids, and uh, I'm, I, I've tried to prepare a message. I didn't think it was that good. And uh, I'm preaching, and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, will you please use me? Will you please speak to me? Like, look at these teenagers. They're not much younger than I was. And, and Lord, please, like, do something. So I'm preaching. I get done with my message, which actually didn't turn out too good. And so I'm like, Lord, you got to show up now. Like, that wasn't that great. So I give an altar call, and all these kids come forward, and, and they're up there. And, and I'm like, Lord, speak to me. Like, what do you want to say? And there was this girl that was crying right here in the, in the front. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell her she's my Esther, and she's called for such a time as this. Now, some of you have like grown up in church, right? And you've been around like movements where there's people moving in prophecy or words. That's like the most cliche word you can give, okay? Like a women's conference called Esther, right? For such a time as this. I'm a man and I've been given that word. You, you have been called for such a time as this. Like that's, so I'm like, Lord, I want like something different. Like I want something a little more fancy or like something and I just keep on hearing. Now, this is how God speaks to me usually. It's not an audible voice. It's not super clear. It's usually a pervading thought, which I would propose this to you. Many of you hear the voice of God more than you think you do. 
And I had this pervading thought that said, tell her she's my Esther and she's called for such a time as this. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, so I'm like, hey, uh, hey, I, like, I, I think God's speaking to me. I just want to tell you something. I, God told me to tell you, you're his Esther and you're called for such a time as this. <sighs> she starts weeping, falls on her knees. And I'm like, oh man. Like, I'm looking at the youth pastor, like, is he going to blame me? Like, I don't know what happened. And there's a kid next to her, and I said, hey, hey, what's, 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 what's going on? And he goes, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I'm like, what? And he goes, her name is Esther. <laughs> now, I want to I teach you something. I didn't know that. I just thought, like, this is the most cliche, simple, I mean, just, like, basic level word that you could ever give. But God knew her name. God knew what she needed. Which tells us something, that the message is not really about the messenger. It's about the message. So if we're going to hear the voice of God, or if we're going to understand what God's doing, we can't be worried about how we look in the process. We've got to be faithful to the word. So what happens if we're a church that says when the world looks dark, we're believing for the greatest move of God that we've ever seen on the planet, and people think we're crazy? But that's what faith does. Faith captures what God's saying and in the midst of impossible odds says we stand on the word of God. We stand on what he is saying. The word of God always announces the work of God. The word of the Lord always announces the work of the Lord. You can look all the way back in the book of Genesis. In the very beginning, it says God what? Almost got it. Sunday school, Jesus. It's like, good answer, good. God spoke. God spoke. Let there be light. You know what he did? He announced what was about to happen before it happened. He spoke. John the Baptist came announcing. The Bible says he said that he was a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. God always announces what he's about to do. Do you know why most Christians are always behind on what God is doing, because we don't listen to his voice. We read, watch what's happening in our world. And we give ourselves diagnoses, and we give ourselves personal prophecies about how our life will end up by what we see naturally. But friends, my Bible says that we live by faith, not by sight. So it becomes imperative for me. If I'm going to wake up to the thing God's doing, I have to incline my ear to hear his voice. Now, let me tell you this. God is always speaking. I, I love it when people tell me this, you know, pastor, I'm just kind of like in a quiet season. Like God's just quiet with me right now. God's not quiet. You might be deaf, but God's not quiet. You could be stubborn, but God's not quiet. You could be rebellious, but God's not quiet. Sometimes God will speak something and he hasn't spoken something new because you never did what he said last. So if you just go back and do what he already said to do, then anyways, that's, that's too much. God's always speaking. My dad used to tell me the voice of God is like an FM radio station back in the day, back in the way back. You remember when you had to tune in to a radio station? Again, there's half the crowd that's saying, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, still do it. Carry it with me everywhere I go. Half the crowd's like, what? Just press the button. Hey, Siri, play. Uh, you had to tune in. The question was never if the radio was playing. The question was, were you tuned in? The voice of God is always speaking. 
He is, there is never a time that God is silent. There is never a time that he is quiet. So if you can't hear his voice, I'll help you. Because some of you are like, well, I can't hear him. If you can't hear his voice, then read his word. There is no excuse for a Christian to never be without the word of God because if you can't hear his voice, you can read his word. He has made allowances for us in times where it's difficult for us to hear. He says, when you can't hear, you can read. When I can't hear what he's saying, I can read what he's already written. And the word of the Lord makes way for the work of the Lord. Now, if you're going to hear the voice of God, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to practice Hearing God is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you practice it, the stronger it gets. For some of you, you never practice hearing the voice of God, that's why it's difficult. If you've never ran a marathon, you decide to go out and run a marathon right now, it would be difficult. But if you train, if you practice, it'll probably still be difficult. <laughs> but hearing the voice of God becomes easier and easier and easier. And for most of us, it is not that we do not hear, it's that we cannot recognize. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, my dad has a distinct voice and sound and whistle. When he whistles, I know, it's like, oh, oh man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm 41, and I think I could hear my dad whistle from states away. And I'll be like, did I, what? Like, am I, am I all right? Like, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing okay. Because I, it's distinct. I, I, I learned to recognize his voice. He could say something and be in a crowd, and I can hear all kinds of voices, but I hear his voice, and I know that's my dad. The reason that many of us can't hear the voice of God is we just have not identified that the voice we're hearing is his. But I want you to know God is speaking. God's speaking right now, and you can hear him. So people say, is that, is that prophecy when you hear the voice of God? Prophecy is speaking for God. It's another Christianese way of communicating the heart of God. Do you know how much God loves you? Psalm 139, verse 17, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts. God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Hold on. That is a lot of thoughts. God's thinking about you a lot. And you know what his thoughts are? The Bible says the thoughts are good. Thoughts are full of love. So he's thinking about us. Now let me ask you this question. If God's thinking about me, how do I learn God's thoughts? You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is translating God's thoughts into words. So in Old Testament prophecy, at times it would be intense, it would be exposing of sin or wrong or evil. New Testament prophecy is encouragement, is edification and building up of one another. What would happen? What would happen if we all came to church, not a pastor, not a leader, not, 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 not someone on stage, but we all came together ready to build each other up? That we listen to the voice of God, we encourage one another. How about this? How about you begin hearing the voice of God on your own? You came to church and I said, I hear God saying that we're going to do this and this, but God already told you. So instead of information, it becomes confirmation. And now the people of God are not a congregation, it's an army. And now we say yes and amen to the thing that God's doing. You don't got to convince me, pastor. I was in prayer last month, and God already spoke that to me. So when you said take Oak Cliff, we said let's do it because God already spoke to me. When you said we're going to take this mission trip, or we're going to go here, or we're going to move this place, or we're going to start this campus, it's already in my heart because God's already speaking. So it's not me giving you information, it's me confirming. The voice of God that's already 
in you. That's when church gets exciting. I was preaching on the, doing a teaching on the prophetic, on hearing the voice of God last, last week at one of my mentors' church in, in Las Vegas. And um, I, was, I was speaking there, and we're talking about hearing the voice of God. And I was right in the front row, and I, and I was in worship. I was getting ready to go teach. And I saw, now this is how God speaks to me usually, an impression, a pervading thought. Or another way is compassion. I just feel compassion. You read this all throughout the Gospels as Jesus was moved with compassion. So I'll feel compassion towards someone. So sometimes the, the way I know God wants to speak to someone is I just feel compassion for them. So I'm up in the front row, and, and um, I saw, like, just in my mind, right, not like an open vision, nothing, just had this thought of a tiger. Weird, I know. And I was in Las Vegas, and I had a picture of a tiger. I'm like, Dustin, you got to focus. Like, this is not a time to think of the hangover, or like, a, this is like, you need to focus. And, and, and it kept on pervading thought. Tiger, tiger. I'm like, oh my goodness, like, stop, focus. So I got up and I'm teaching. And at the end, I just, I just, I know it's, I know it's the Lord that's speaking to me. And so I say, hey, I believe this is going to mean something to someone. As I was in worship, I saw a picture of a tiger. His mouth was open. It looked ferocious and uh, didn't look, didn't look nice. Looked mean, and, um, and, and I saw a picture of Tiger. I think it's going to mean something to someone. This guy over here is like, oh, my goodness. He's like, I printed off a picture just like that last night. I said, okay. So we started praying, and, and, um, and we talked afterwards, and he, said, he told me, he said, I'm flying to Australia tonight. I'm a photographer for a professional boxer by the name of Tiger. And he said, last night I was preparing for the trip, and I superimposed a picture of him fighting with his mouth open over the picture of a tiger with his mouth open. And I just, I knew I needed to get to conference. I knew God wanted to do something in me. This is, this is crazy. Like, how would God know that? How would you know that? And so he, he DM'd me this picture. Go ahead, put it up there. He, he wrote this picture the night before, the morning that I said, Hey, I think, like, this is going to mean something to someone. Now, you can take it down because it's distracting. <laughs> Why would God do that? Why would God give me a picture of a tiger that connects with him in the picture he took last night? I'll tell you why. Because his thoughts towards you are more than the sand on the seashore. And they're thoughts of love. And he wants you to know how much he loves you. So the only reason that God would show me something for him is so that he knows God sees him, God cares about him, and God loves him. I want you to know this. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he's speaking. He's speaking right now. Years ago, I was, I was preaching at a, uh, a youth camp at Youth for the Nations in Dallas and um, Phil was just telling me, he's like, I was with you. I was, I told him the first service, he's like, I was with you there. And I got up and I was preaching, man, I thought it, again, thought it was a good message. And I don't know, as I'm preaching, I just had this pervading thought that there was a man in the balcony and he had thoughts of ending his life. He already had a plan and a time that he was going to do it, but God wanted to set him free. So I got to the end of my message and I'm like, man, Lord, come on. It's like all these teenagers out there, they got their phones out. You know, I'm like, I'm gonna, about to go viral on TikTok for the wrong reasons. And um, so they're, like, they're all out there, and tons of kids. And so I said, hey, this is what, I'll just tell you, this is just a preacher trick, okay? The Holy Spirit told me, he's in the balcony. I want to set him free. I'm like, is there anybody here? Right, I got to gen generalize. It's my little bit of lack of faith. And um, 
Nobody raised their hand, so another preacher trick. I said, okay, everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's give this, let's give this man privacy as he responds. I said, if that's you, you have a plan to take your life. You already have a plan. You already have a time, a method. God wants to set you free. Where are you at? Nobody. So I'm like, man, yikes. Okay. So I got to get more specific. Like, this is getting serious now. So I said, okay, you're in the balcony. You have a plan. You have a time. God wants to set you free. I want you to respond. God wants to set you free. Nothing. So I'm like, okay, last-ditch effort here. You're a man in the balcony in that section. And you have made a plan. Nothing. So I'm like, man, did I miss it? So I went home, ended the service, went home feeling like a failure. Laid in my bed that night thinking, man, what an idiot. Like I took a step of faith, man, in front of all those thousands of kids, embarrassed. They probably got the false prophet going around on TikTok right now. The worst part is I had to go back the next day to teach the youth pastors. So I go back the next day. I'm like, these guys don't want to hear from me. They saw me last night. So I'm teaching. I get to the end of the teaching. This guy gets out of his seat and comes, starts coming down the aisle. I can tell he's walking straight towards me, walks all the way down. He has a note in his hand. He puts the note in my hand. He closes my hand over it. He says, hey, I just want you to know I am that, that man that you called out in the balcony. I still have the note in my Bible. It says, I, I am that man in the balcony. Now, God set him free. It's powerful. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't care about my reputation. That's, that's like, that's tough for me because I wanted to go back the next night and be like, just so all you teenagers know, <laughs> this is not a false prophet, okay? That man, he came to me private. I wanted to tell him, but you know God doesn't care? He doesn't care about my reputation. He, he has so much love for that man. He said, Dustin, you might be humiliated, but I just saved his life. I am more concerned about the message than I am the messenger. And friends, we are not the message. We are the messengers. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos go viral like about from like the ring um, camera when the Amazon Prime guy like throws the package in the hedge or, you know, it's like dancing or whatever. You know what, what's crazy about the Amazon Prime delivery guys which come to our house multiple times a day? Anyways, it's another story. When they come, I've never had one time, not, not one time in all the packages, and I'm talking that's a lot of packages, not one time have they waited as we opened it to see if we liked it or not. They never waited to get a selfie, like, I was the guy that delivered that. They never waited for a tip of like, yep, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that brought your package. This is, this is me, right, because that's not their job. Their only job, it does not matter what's in the package or what's out of the package. It doesn't matter what's missing from the package. Their only job is to deliver the package. Did you know that our only job, not to be famous, not to be popular, not to be known, but to be obedient. That we would take what God gave us, we would deliver it to the doorstep of whoever needs it, and we would let God do the work. And I want you to know this, God knows your address, God knows your name, God knows what you're going through, what you're struggling with, God sees you, God cares about you, He loves you, and the Word of God is just an overflow of the love of God straight to you.
What God wants to do, I believe, right now in this time together is awaken our ears to hear the voice of God. You may have been going to church for 25 years and you're like, I don't, I've never heard the voice of God. That's okay, you can begin today. It's okay. We make it so mystical like prophecy and the voice of God. It's, it's not that mystical. It's actually, it's, actually, it's actually sad how normal it is because you want it to be like, thus saith the Lord. Tell her her name is Esther, right? No, it's like this thought, like, she's my Esther. God, for such time as this. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Tell the man in the balcony, ah, I don't know. I did, and then he didn't respond. This actually happened in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I, I was there, and the Holy Spirit gave me, a, gave me a word for somebody. I said, this is what we would call biblically a word of knowledge. I said, you were diagnosed with diabetes when you were 12 years old. God wants to heal you. That's pretty good. Like, if you have diabetes and you got diagnosed at 12, I'd be, like, responding. Because that's like, wow, God, you knew when, you know what, you're probably going to deliver on your word. Nobody. No hands, nothing. I'm like, again, guys? I'm like, I know you're out there, right? I said it in love. A little bit nicer than that. God wants to hear. So, nothing. And I just talked, I, I talked about this, being a delivery guy, dropping off the word of God. Into the service, sure enough, right after service, this lady comes up to me, Pastor, I didn't respond because I'm like, are y'all trying to make me look bad? She says, uh, my husband got diagnosed with diabetes when he was 12 years old. So I didn't raise my hand because it's not me. He's going to be here tonight. Will you pray for him? I said, yeah, I'll pray for him. If we're so concerned about us and our kingdom and what we look like, what people think about us, we're going we're gonna to miss the thing that God's doing because most of my steps of faith have looked embarrassing. Sometimes it's been anti-common sense, but we know we have a word from the Lord and we step in faith. Do you know when we bought the Dream Center in January of 2020 and then COVID hit in March of 2020, that was the biggest step of faith. That's a $10 million renovation project and we're in it and COVID hit the world and we feel like idiots. We must have missed it. God's like, oh, look at all the people getting my love. I don't care what you look like. This is, I'm like, this is scary. God, could you provide a little faster? He's like, look at all these people getting fed. Look at all these people getting clothes. Look at all these people getting set free. Look at all these people. Because God's love for us is massive. 